Hey everyone, welcome to Unsought Thoughts with Shayna Mariah. This podcast is for anyone and everyone that is grasping the concept of adulting. We know life can be WTF, we know life can be overwhelming, and we also know that life can be beautiful once we conquer our adversaries. So this podcast is going to be very interesting. You're going to hear me rant on how I'm trying to conquer this thing called adulting along with others because no one gave us a guide or a rule book. We're just figuring it out as we go along. So be prepared for it all. The rants, the aha moments, and the just I'm cruising. (laughs) So welcome and I hope you guys enjoy. So you're probably saying to yourself, like, I think I can start my own podcast. Well, one thing you need to do right now is download this free app called Anchor. It's free. All the tools you need to literally record right from your phone is right on this app. And anyone that listens to Spotify, Apple, and many more will be able to listen to your podcast. And you don't need to pay anything. It's free. And everything is right here. So please download this app. And get your podcast going. Bye. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Unsought Thoughts with Shane Mariah. Today is quite different. We are having a Zoom vent session with some of my friends. We're going to be talking about Black lives in healthcare. You're going to hear their female perspective and the male perspective. It is quite lengthy, and I don't know if it's raining in your state, but it's raining here in Florida. I want you guys to get comfortable, get cozy, get your water, your tea, your coffee, your wine, and let's get this Zoom call started. After the fact, because she was not with the games when they tried to fuck me over, so definitely ready to talk about it. My name is Joanne. I am a first-time mom. Um, I just gave birth five months ago today. My baby's five months. Everything experience, honestly, was pretty traumatic. Actually, I just made a comment to Kadeem about it um, because in this mom chat I'm in, um, one of the moms are going through it because she still um, thinks about her, uh, thinks about, you know, her, her experience and gets sad about it. And I do too sometimes only because it's not, of course, things never go as planned. It's not how you intended to like go through the process of giving birth. You think, you know, if you want to give birth vaginally, you want to do unmedicated, things like that. And things don't always work out that way, which I understand. Um, so that of course wasn't an issue for me. Um, so I went in on my due date, which was initially, of course it was my due date. Um, baby wasn't here, water didn't break. I wasn't having contractions. So I went in for a routine, um, doctor visit, um, cause in your third trimester you go every week. And, um, my doctor was like, you know, um, we're going to induce you today cause there isn't enough amniotic fluid. Um, in there for the baby to kind of stay until she was ready to come out. So I'm like, all right, you know, safety first. Um, mind you, my I have a black, a young black gynecologist. I love her. She's amazing. So I definitely trusted her judgment. Um, so we went in that evening. Um, I got checked in, like short contractions without getting induced. Um, maybe around like 9 p.m. Um, that same day, which was my due date. Um, so then they decided to induce me, um, to help speed up labor because, um, at that point I was in active labor, wasn't dilated at all, like not even a centimeter. Um, so then got induced, um, around like 9 PM that night. Uh, 
you know, started having contractions, had contractions from the moment they induced me up until the end. Um, my contractions were probably like two minutes apart. So imagine that pain every two minutes for 37 hours. I wanted to do unmedicated. I was thugging it out. You feel me? Um, you know, couldn't eat, couldn't do nothing. I was thugging it out for as long as I could. Poor Kadeem was the contractions came. I had to kind of like punch something just like that vibration, like move, getting my my body to kind of like give some something pressure just kind of helped ease the pain through it. Um, I had this one nurse who she said she was a nurse for like, what, 20 years? Yeah. Though, but, oh my God. She was old school. She was oh, some old white lady. You know, she was, her personality was cool and everything. That's but Caucasian remedies. The shift change. Um, and I get a new nurse. They come introduce themselves, check my vitals, do all that good stuff. And I had, they had, you know, they keep the monitor on your belly um, to monitor baby's heart rate. Now there's like, you know, technology and everything. So it wasn't just like the elastic band. They had this thing that like they, they stick these like, instead of like putting the band around you, they stick like these little cords on your belly. Didn't hurt at all. And that's how they monitor the baby's heart rate. But I guess she went to go change them out. And like, when I tell you, it wasn't even like she was being subtle about it. She literally like yanked the shit. And, like, it was, like, on my skin. Like, you know how, like, when something is sticking on your skin so much that, like, you get, like, the sticky residue on your skin? Like, bitch. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, she literally, like, yanked it. So that was that. I looked at Kadeem, and Kadeem was like... <laughs> so, anyway. Um, and then she didn't even know how to, like, put it back on. Um, and then, like when she was having trouble like taking my my pressure which no one else had mind you at, at that point I was at I was already in the hospital for like maybe 20 some odd hours when she came in but anywho that was that like she wasn't really doing much um so I wasn't like too concerned um I did let other nurses know that I wasn't fond of her and I would prefer not to have her again um so I never had her after that um thank god but like, and then she also, um, she, she did have to check my dilation, which clearly hurt because she didn't care as to, you know, she had no bedside manner pretty much. She also made like a comment. I forgot. I, I, I'm not going to put, you know, words in like whatever. I forgot the comment she made, but it was very unsettling. Cause I, I was like, yo, Kadeem, like, am I tripping? Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then Kadeem was like, nah, like she, she's really like out of there or whatever. I was like, all right, you know, left that alone. So then fast forward to 34 hours of labor later. Um, at this point, it's like five in the morning. I'm walking around the hospital with um, Kadeem's mom, um, trying to like get myself to dilate. After 34 hours, honestly, I was like barely even a centimeter. So there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's that. And then... Um, at, at that point, like, honestly, the pain is just so much and the contractions are so frequent and I've dealt with it for so long. I was just like, I don't think I can hang on any longer. I was like, honestly, like, I need an epidural. Like, I need some time. They wanted, they, they gave me two options. I can either get, you know, the, the normal epidural where they shoot it up your spine or I could have gotten, like, some other type of um, painkiller that I think they give it to you by, it's orally. Um, however, the baby will, feel, like, I'll feel high and whatever and whatever I feel baby will feel and I didn't want that I don't like taking medication as it is and I definitely don't want my baby like all woo whatever like coming out the wound and they said um that like 
you know, she'll be fine. Like, and I was just like, I didn't want to chance it. So I was like, I'd rather get the epidural. And they're like, okay, cool. That might help you, you know, speed up labor um, and help you dilate a, a little bit more so that your body's not like under so much pressure and you can relax. But they had to get permission from my doctor. So around like 6 a.m., my doctor finally approved. Um, they got a hold of her. She approved for the epidural. They started prepping me, um, things like that. Um, I think it was maybe around like, what, 8, 9 a.m. Um, that following day when they, um, they finally came in to do the epidural. Now, I'm, I don't want to butcher, I think Jasonia knows the proper term. I don't want to butcher what the name of these people are. It's not the anesthesiologists. It's like the people under them. Um, Jess, can you unmute her real quick? If she knows the name, can you say it for me? I forget. What is it that- Not, not, the, not the anesthesiologist. The midwife, the, people the nurse that practitioner? No, no, no. The ana okay. nurse anesthetist? Nurse anesthetist? Something like that. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's, okay, so it's the anesthesiologist um, has, I guess, like, you know, the people that work under them that can also administer the epidural. I, for I totally forget the, the name of them. Um, but anywho, so they had these two ladies come in. They're not black. I think one was white, one was Hispanic, or if they both were Hispanic, who knows? This is where hell began. I thought the pain was what was like hell, but no. So mind you, keep in mind, my contractions are now a minute to a minute and a half apart, right? And when you're having an epidural, when you're getting an epidural, you have to sit in like a C shape and you cannot move. Otherwise, they can mess up, you know, your, your spine and they can kind of like paralyze. There's so many different things that can go wrong because the needle is like long and thick, right? So poor Kadeem is watching me. It's just, he can't do anything. And he's just literally sitting, sitting there just watching these people. Like these people were on my back for maybe like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I don't remember. I just remember sitting there like trying to focus on the contractions, trying not to move, my nurse that was helping me, she was in front of me trying to keep me still. She was so pissed off. She was a white nurse, though. Like, all the nurses I had after that one terrible nurse, honestly, were amazing. Um, you know, they, they, they made sure that, you know, I was okay, like, even after giving birth. But the nurse that I had during, during my epidural was getting so upset because, literally, they poked me maybe five times. I kept bleeding. They couldn't get it right. They couldn't figure out, like, where or they couldn't get the right size needle to put like it, it was just it was just a mess so then they and they had to call the anesthesiologist to figure out what tube can fit inside the needle so he told them still couldn't get it right thank god mind you i'm just sitting there thinking like this is my first time so i don't know what to expect i thought they're they're saying because i'm plus size um that it could be you know that could be why they can't get it right um they asked me if I've ever had scoliosis or ever been diagnosed with scoliosis. No, I have not. I don't have any of these issues. My nurse is like, there have been people larger than her that have gotten this with no issue. So at this point, Kadeem is just like, like, mind you, I'm hysterically crying because I'm in pain. I'm getting poked a thousand and five times. I'm having these contractions. Poor Kadeem is like just watching me go through all this. My nurse is getting pissed off. Thank God, at some point, my dog, my gynecologist, my doctor walks in this young black woman, she was like, looking like you're still here. She was like, she asked my nurse, how long has she been here? The nurse was upset and was like, she's been here for like almost an hour and a half. My, my doctor was like, get out. She was like, stop, pack up and get out. So then at that point, my, my doctor, you know, gave me my option. She was like, you can either stop and just stick it out or 
um, she was like, we can call um, the anesthesiologist, the actual anesthesiologist to do it for you. I said, do you trust him? Do you think he'll be able to do it? She was like, I don't see why they were having an issue in the first place. So then he comes down. Um, I think he might be Arabic. He wasn't a black guy, but either way, he comes down. He like, he's, mind you, these people have no bedside manner. The two ladies that were working on me sounded like they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. They sounded incompetent. They were arguing with each other while like trying to poke my back and figure this shit out. So like, it was just like a mess. It was a mess. It was like, and then once my doctor told them to stop, they were still in the room arguing, going back and forth with each other about like what, what to do and whatever. And my doctor was like, get out, like get out, get the hell out. So they got out and then the anesthesiologist came. He did it in like five minutes. Like he was literally like in and out, cleaned me up and I was like, good. So like, I was pissed off at that, but I was happy that I finally got to sleep after 30 some odd hours. And um, because, you know, I wasn't feeling any pain at that point. Um, so they tried to dilate me and everything. Um, and I, I was only four centimeters dilated after, <laughs> after having the epidural for like five hours. So that at that point, my doctor was like, all right, we got to get her out. There's no more amniotic fluid at that point. She pooped while she was inside. So we had to get her out. Um, and I ended up having a C-section after all of that. Like after all that BS and like all that, it was honestly, it was traumatizing. I'm not even going to lie. Um, every time I think about it, I do get emotional. I get sad. Um, like it would have been one thing. It would have been one thing to, you know, um, have to end up getting the C-section at the end of it all. Like, okay. But like that epidural process, that whole, like, I wish you guys would have been in that room just like hearing everything that was going on like being afraid mind you like you're in pain you're afraid people are literally sticking shit in your spine and they're fucking arguing right behind you like you know what i'm saying like they're going back and forth and like clearly they don't know what they're doing and like kadeem is like <laughs> like what the fuck like you know what i'm saying so like hey guys name's kadeem kadeem jones aka dean um the fiance to join so real quick so like being there just made me realize we definitely do need more black people in the medical field. Shout out Denisha. All right. So yes. I'm sitting there and it was just, it was just so tough for me because like me having no medical background and not knowing what the hell these people are doing. Like I started to tear up because I felt like, yo, I'm sitting here useless and they like poking the shit out of the joint's back. I don't even know. I can't go over there and slap nobody. Cause then, you know, ain't no doctor to do what Joanne need to do. But anyway, what really pissed me off was the fact that when she went in to get a C-section and like, oh God. <laughs> so they gave me like all these scrubs to put on before going in the room, right? So I'm sitting there with all the scrubs on just in the waiting room, just like, yeah, that's my first baby. I'm crying, tears in my eyes. I'm like, I'm about to meet my daughter. These fools forgot me, Bruh. right? They forgot me in the waiting room. So I'm sitting there, right? And then they come out like, oh, where's the dad? Where's the, oh, come on, dad, boom. Because let so, me tell you <laughs> So they bring me in the room. Cassidy's already out getting cleaned up. And they all oh, come, look at your daughter. You want to cut the already cut umbilical cord? Oh, my God. I was like, all right, whatever, I'll cut it. I was like, I wasn't mad because I was in so much awe of my, my first baby girl, you know? So I didn't really care too much. So I didn't, like, press on it too much. So, I mean, after, no, no, after that, you know, it was... 
I couldn't really think about it. Like, I didn't even care after that because my girl was here. Like, you know what I'm saying? She was here. So, I don't impress it. But definitely, uh, you know, there's always been good reviews about the hospital, man. But I don't know. We, we need more black folk out here in the medical field. And the only reason why they remembered him is because I looked up when I heard my baby come out and I said, where's my husband? Because at this point, I didn't. Okay, so I'm laying on the table. Freaking the hell out. I'm a Grey's Anatomy fan, by the way. So I've watched literally every episode, every season, and I was scared for my life. It's the first time I've ever had any type of surgery, ever, any type of major surgery at that. I'm sitting on the bed. I'm freaking the hell out. I threw up because I was so damn nervous. And whatever they gave me before going um, into the room, like, I was scared. There's a whole bunch of people in the room. They're all talking to each other or whatever, but I don't know, they were having, like, side conversations, like, typical Grey's Anatomy shit, I really didn't care, whatever, cool, as long as I'm getting sick, my doctor was in there, my black doctor, the only black one in the room, so I knew I was taken care of, so I wasn't really worried, they're all having their side conversations, and there's this one guy just, like, hanging out, like, in the back of my head, just talking to, like, the lady who, like, made sure that I couldn't feel nothing, like, you know, she had, um, made sure I couldn't feel anything from, like, the, the waist down or whatever, you know, because I had to get the C-section. So, like, I'm talking to them at this point because I'm nervous as shit. So I'm, like, trying to distract myself, and I'm just, like, asking them, like, random questions. And then, like, out of nowhere, like, my doctor, no, my doctor asked me, um, she's like, hey, can you feel this? I was like, no, I can't feel anything. She's like, okay, good. Like, two minutes later, I hear the baby cry. So I start bawling. I'm like, oh, my God, I finally did it. My baby's finally here after all this time, all this, like, crazy shit. I look up and I'm like, I literally like, I'm laying on the bed flat. So I look both ways and I'm like, where's my husband? They're like, oh shit, where's dad? Somebody forgot to get dad. Somebody go get dad. I'm just like, what the fuck? And then my doctor was like, how did, like, my, my doctor was like, you had one job. Like the guy that was like hanging out was supposed to go get him and never got him. So I was just like, I mean, I didn't, I was too, like, too, like, excited to get upset because, like, I heard my baby crying. She's alive. She's well. My doctor's like, she's beautiful. She's healthy. I'm like, okay, good. I'm happy about that. But I was honestly, like, low-key upset that they really forgot Kadeem. Like, so I brought our child into the world by myself. Like, without him there, without him holding my hand. And he was supposed to be there. I came but, in clutch last minute, though. But me in, not knowing, I didn't know at what point, like, I didn't know at what point that he was supposed to come in. I knew that they were supposed to go get him, because I guess, like, when they were cutting, he wasn't going to be there. Or, like, prepping the anesthesia no, or whatever. technically I was supposed to be there for the cut. See, I don't know how that process went. I, I didn't know when they were going to bring him in. I trusted them to do their job and bring him in. And then, like... Once I heard the baby crying, I realized he wasn't there. I was like, where's my man? I saw your comment about the plus size, um, Shani. And that's not even how they said it. I just said it in a nice way. They just said, because I'm big. They didn't say, like, it wasn't, like, I'm telling you, their bedside manner was non-existent at all. My thing is, like, how come they didn't have Kadeem come in the room with you? Is like, to me, maybe I'm reaching. I'm going to sip my water. But I just feel like that's like a racial thing, you know? Cause like the black man is never there. So I just feel like, like he's not here. We're not worried about it. But if it was a Caucasian family, Billy Jean would have been right there next to Sarah Beck. He probably just assumed that daddy wasn't present or whatever the case may be. I, Nisha, I'm gonna unmute you. And I wanna hear your perspective since you're working in health. Do you see 
there's a lack of care for your patients of color and your Caucasian patients? Um, mm. I would say yes and no. And I would say yes because, you know, we're already racially profiled. They already expect us not to know enough. And um, I don't work in a hospital, but I work in a rehabilitation center but we have three floors and interacting with different family members for like Caucasian versus black. The Caucasian people are going to ask you a hundred questions. They're going to ask you a thousand questions to see what you know and what you can tell them. And sometimes they already know the answer to the questions, but they want to see how much you know. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and then like the black people, they may not, they may want to ask questions, but they don't know how to ask the question, you know, and it's not saying that, oh, they don't care, oh, you can't say, oh, they don't care, or they're not involved. Some of them don't want to be embarrassed by the questions that they ask because, you know, given the situation, don't know what they experienced before. Let me just say this, like, with a white nurse, you know, or how that person made them feel, you know, but we are, we, I mean, it's sad to say, but based off color, we are handled differently. And it all depends on the person too. And when I say that, I I mean, a white, a, a Caucasian person, I'm just gonna say, a white person gonna come off different as a black person, as far as patient wise, you know. It's, it's a touchy subject. <laughs> Welcome to Unsought Thoughts, where you talk your shit. <laughs> having the knowledge of what's going on and not having the knowledge. And what I mean by that, I my story, I have two. My stories are similar to Joanne, both of my pregnancies. Um, I was traumatized by both of them in two different ways. And with my son... I was in labor. I don't remember exactly how long I was in labor. I know by the time I got to the hospital, I was five centimeters dilated. Um, I was up and walking. You know, the nurse was like, you really don't need the epidural. She's like, you're doing good. I was having contractions. I was up and walking. They took me into the um, birthing room. And the nurse, why are you laughing? Oh, sorry. The nurse, she was so good to me she was so good to me she um the only problem is she kept checking me too much and by her checking me too much it caused me to get an infection later on down the road but um yes she was checking me too much um i never got to 10 centimeters rj he was he breached so they had me on my side trying to get him to turn back you know head down as he turned, he wrapped the cord around his neck twice. When they called the doctor, the doctor said, why did you guys have her sitting and waiting for so long? You guys should have been called me. She's been nine centimeters for too long. I was nine centimeters for hours and his heart rate was dropping. Long story short, they didn't tell us anything. My mom, being that mom, and I was 19 when I had him, my mom works in the medical field. When the nurse, after the last time the nurse checked me, she came back in with um, a mask to put on me. Yeah, so they put the oxygen on me and they took me down to the um 
to the operating room to have the C-section. And they put me on this call table and strapped me down. I don't like being strapped down. So that was like already like, um, that was it for me. And as he um, performed the procedure, you know, I was saying, I feel this, I feel this. And um, he just kept going, just cutting, cutting. And um, I was like, that hurt, that hurt. Like just, it was the pressure because I had the epidural. I had got the epidural. But at that time, from my understanding, having a C-section and having a natural birth with epidural, it's like different dosing. It's like different dosing or whatever. However that goes. I don't think it's so technical. But um, anyways, yeah. So long story short, I guess with me screaming and panicking, they um knocked me out. And um, when I woke up, I was in the bed on the side of a nurse's station because I saw the nurse sitting there at the um desk. And Reggie and my mom and his mom, all of them was in the room. Well, I'm assuming they were in the room with the baby or whatever. So I did not see RJ being born. Um, they did take me down to the room or whatever. And that was like, that was so traumatizing because when Reggie told me that when he was in there and he said he was taught, and I remember him talking to me, trying to get me to calm down, but he said he freaked out because he was talking to me and he looked at me and my eyes was rolling back and he didn't know that they had put some medication in my IV to knock me out. So he didn't, he didn't know what was going on with me. And, um, yeah, so for him, that was an experience too. And with Riley, Joe, I could relate to you 100%. I got stuck three or four times. I have scoliosis and they could not get the needle in the middle. Blood was rolling down my back. Blood was rolling down my back. They kept placing me on the mat because it was like, it was soaking up with blood and they kept moving me. One person can only stick you two times. Once that second time and they don't get it, they have to call somebody else in to do it. And it took for one nurse to be on this side to hold this side down and another one to try to position me to where my back was, it was in the middle. And they just, it was like, it was so much. Now they weren't arguing behind me. They were very professional about it, but I could only think about, my experience with RJ, you know, and I kept asking the nurse, am I going to feel this? Like, am I going to be okay? But the nurse coached me through the whole time. Reggie was there. That's what I'm saying. I feel, I really feel for you guys. I did not know that you two went through that because once they prep you and everything, whatever other person you're going to bring in, dad or grandma, they come into the room before they even start the cutting process, the delivery process. So, um, going back to what you asked me, Shana, it is, as I work in this field, a lot of things can go under the rug. And I say that because if a family member comes to you and they're asking questions, or if somebody comes to the hospital and they're a patient, if they don't know what questions to ask, or they don't understand what's going on, they're just clueless. Like, they is mm, for I'm just gonna give an example. I could say Shana here. Here go, here go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say Tylenol. You telling me you're in pain, you're this and you that, but you didn't ask me for anything for pain. But I'm like, here goes something for pain. I give it to you. 
you start spazzing out and start acting, we we call it behavior. You start having a behavior or something, and I'm like, hey, doctor, such and such is having a behavior. I don't know about this. Okay, well, give them something to calm their behavior down. Now go back. I say here, this is something for pain. I see that. Not, I see that you a little bit on edge. I just want to give you something to calm you down. One thing I learned, even before coming into this field, I ask questions. What are you giving me? What are you giving me? And based off our skin color, like I say, sometimes as Black people, we too prideful. We don't want to ask questions. Or if we ask questions, it gets taken into different contexts, and then it becomes confrontational. And that's not, that's not, that's not what we're trying to make it out to be. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, sometimes we have the, other people have the upper hand in us. Because if Ashley is coming to me, hey, what is this you're giving me? What are the side effects? Is it going to make me this? Is it going to make me that? Oh, you're going to be like, okay, Ashley on her shit. I got to watch out for Ashley because Ashley have a little bit of knowledge of what's going on. So now I got to make sure I'm walking on my toes with her because she's very alert and she knows what's going on. She's very knowledgeable. Okay, here come Tiffany. Tiffany ain't asking me, Tiffany, do you have questions for me? No. Do your family members have questions for me? No. And then, you know, they, people are frustrated. I don't want to be here or whatever. Okay. Then I know I'm just going to do my job and not engage in anything. I'm just going to pass my meds and do my job. You know what I'm saying? And me, I try to treat, me personally, I try to treat everybody the same. You know, whether someone is knowledgeable. But yes, there is a bias when it comes to um, your skin color. Just look at what's going on. And look at the race that's actually dying. You know? It, it, it boils down to knowledge. And we have to just encourage each other to ask questions just ask questions that's all i can say ask questions try to understand what's going on and don't be afraid to ask questions because if you don't ask you don't know and don't be so prideful i respect that i hope i answered your question you did how did reggie like experience oh oh y'all want to hear from your boy oh okay shoot because you know you know it was a different perspective it was a it was it was stressful like uh, Kadeem, I, I gave Kadeem a lot, a lot of my insight of uh, becoming a first-time father, and it's nerve-wracking because at the same time of thinking about what's going on with my girl, is she gonna be okay? Is she gonna make it out of this? You also thinking, oh shit, you know, like I'm going into the realm of being a father. It's a whole nother life now that I have to take care of, and it, it's stressful. But it sucks when the hospital makes it more stressful for you instead of taking the stress off of you because they hear me on this. And we was a white family. And when I say a white family, I mean like a white family, skin color, got some money, we good. I guarantee you there wouldn't have been no problems. Everything would have been nice and smooth. They would have came with a glass of champagne. Yo, you good? You want something else? Want some weed or something? Yeah, they, they nice with the white folk. When it comes to us, us black folk, it always got to be difficult. So along with Nisha having her complications and them rushing her to the room for an emergency C-section, they had no communication. They didn't decide to say, hey, we're going to rush your wife down to have an emergency C-section. They just did it. They didn't say, hey, we're going to inject your wife with something that's about to make her go to sleep. You know, they just did it. So I'm sitting here talking, having a conversation, babe, everything good? You okay? While she's stressing, she's telling the doctor, 
I don't like this feeling. Something's going on. I, I can feel what you're doing. In the midst of that, I'm, I'm trying to calm her down. Like, babe, look, you look at me. You know what I'm saying? Calm down. We're going to be good. Breathe. Next thing I know, she like this. Yeah, okay, bum. Out. And I'm like, yo, hello, hey. She not, she not talking. She okay? No one wants to say nothing. I'm like, hey. So, you know, we get a little hostile after you don't answer a few times. So I'm like, yo, look, like she ain't, she ain't responding. What the fuck going on? And I started getting a little agitated. So they take you out the room and it's like, when it comes to the stigma of just being black period in hospitals, police stations, anywhere, it's always going to be difficult for us. And that's the bad thing. You know, it wouldn't matter if we were poor or rich it wouldn't matter if we were dressed the part or dressed like we just about to go out and chill. We're always going to get some type of backlash simply because we are who we are. And it's really difficult, especially when you're in that type of setting. You know, your wife is laying on a table, she's having a child, and you're trying to get the understanding of it, and they don't want to give that to you. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was stressful. Now, when it comes to Riley, it was a different subject because... I had already had my first child and I was, I was kind of excited about having a daughter, but scared about having a daughter because then I'm going to have to deal with this one day in the future. And I don't want to do that. So, um, yeah, scratch my head again, because I don't want to do that. But, uh, the second time around was a lot better. It was a lot easier. I would say, you know, we knew what to expect. We, we went in comfortable knowing that we we're going to be able to come out of this. We were supposed to go to a different hospital, but we went to the same hospital. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But things went good. Things went well. But um, yeah, with Riley, everything went pretty well. You know, RJ, RJ was stressful. It was, it was stressful. I learned a lot from um, your guys' experience from the woman aspect and from the male aspect. I want to, for Jasanya and Shanique, have you guys um, had any, did you have any of the experience where they dismissed any of your symptoms or didn't take it seriously? If so, unmute yourself and I'm going to mute myself and you guys talk. Yeah, I would say for me, um, the situation that I was dealing with recently was um, with uterine fibroids. And so that was something that honestly, I'd never really heard about. I didn't know. I kind of thought that having a period like it's supposed to hurt. Um, so it's just like normal things and I should be able to handle it. Um, but I guess those were some symptoms that when I talked to my doctor about, they kind of dismissed. Um, and it took maybe like going to four different specialists to finally get an answer that I was okay with um, because kind of going back to what the um, what Nisha previously said, if I didn't like keep pushing forward to keep trying to figure out, okay, what's wrong? What's the issue? Um, I don't think I would have been supported without like, educating myself or researching it and figuring out and I think that's key and um what else would I say with going through that process I mean because eventually I had to have the surgery um I did notice when we were in the hospital that for some reason you know they kind of they they didn't really support the fact that my husband was there I guess because they were trying to like hurry up and get the whole thing done um but Troy was left also in a waiting room and not really provided any information. 
And the only thing that I remember that was kind of traumatic for me in my situation was that I guess once I was under medication, I guess I was starting to come to, um, to after the whole procedure and I was in the recovery room. Um, I guess I heard Troy and so I heard his voice and at that point I started to kind of like get loud and I was screaming. And so when that happened, they were like, oh, no, you got to go. And they immediately like told him to leave the room. So it's it's can be very confusing, um, especially if you don't have any guidance and if you don't have family support um, there with you. It's something that you definitely have to research and kind of keep being persistent about. So I would say I did experience that as being a Black female because um, my other friends, when I kind of mentioned to them what was going on, they were like, no, this is not normal. This is something that you should be dealing with um, and stuff like that. And they kind of pushed me into that direction versus some of my other friends that like I heard about fibroids, I guess, but it wasn't really, there wasn't a lot of information about it that my family could tell me um, and stuff like that. So. Just doing your own research is very key. I don't know to answer your question, Jana. Hold on. Yes, you did. You did. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So, and now I want to hear Jasanya. Hey guys. So um, my experience is a little bit similar. Um, we had a miscarriage a couple years back that we suffered. I was about seven weeks pregnant. And um, it was just a horrific experience in the hospital. When I went in, I was bleeding a little bit at home. And um, I had my mother there and she just kept on saying, you know, uh, sometimes it's normal to bleed during a pregnancy because it's uh, like implantation. So I tried not to think of it, but then I started getting like really bad pains. So that's when, um, Herman came home and my mother was like, okay, maybe we should just go to the hospital to make sure that everything was okay. We ended up going to St. Mary's. And um, when I got there, I told them, you know, I'm pregnant and I've just been bleeding and the bleeding has, you know, gradually increased as time progressed. And I kept on getting what I realized after were contraction pains. Every so often I would have start having pains in my stomach and then I would, and then it would subside. And then a couple minutes later I would have pains again and then it would subside. So, and then I would have the urge to use the restroom. So when I got to the hospital, um, I don't know if it's protocol for them, but um, I told them what was going on and that I was worried. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that my child was okay. And um, they just kept on telling me, you know, it's normal to bleed. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. We're just going to run some tests. They kept on telling me, don't stress about it. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. But I knew my body didn't feel normal and I knew I didn't feel okay. So um, uh, after a while, the doctor came in, the OBGYN came in and he basically told me that I was in the process of having a miscarriage and that um, because of how far along I was, 
um, and the pain, the amount of pain that I was in, they would have to do a, D, a DC. They would have to put me down to go in and kind of scrape out all the excess of the baby that was still in there. So I ended up having like, um, and it was, it was, it, it all happened so quickly because it went from everyone just saying that you're fine. And so in my heart and in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just overreacting. Maybe, um, maybe everything is okay. And then, so when the doctor came in and he expressed that to me, we went straight into the OR and we ended up doing the surgery. And then I remember like the first thing waking up, I guess it didn't register what I was going in for. I was like, is, is the baby okay? Is my baby okay? And they're like, there's no baby, you know? So, and then after that, I didn't know what caused me to have the miscarriage. And even when I asked the doctor, the OBGYN, he was like, it's very normal for uh, women to have miscarriages, especially their first child. It doesn't always latch on. So he just told me that, you know, and then he used an example that his wife had multiple miscarriages before they were able to have a child, which is uh, great of him to be empathetic to the topic, but it really didn't make me feel any better that this is a possibility that I'm going to have multiple miscarriages before I could finally carry a child. So um, after the whole process, uh, they had discharged me after a day and I went back to my gynecologist who was a man at the time. And I started going to him because he was referred to me from my mother. So when I went to him and everything was fairly new because um, the hospital said to, after like a couple days to check in with your um, gynecologist to uh, make sure that everything's okay. When I wanted to go speak to him, it obviously it was still affecting me and it was still a very fresh topic. He um, knew, I told him, I just had a miscarriage and I just, you know, I came in protocol from the doctor to make sure that everything was okay and I started getting emotional while I was talking to him and he didn't even so much as give me a tissue he was just like yeah we're going to um, put you back on birth control and we're going to monitor you and this is and that and I said well I would like to know um, why I had the miscarriage is there something wrong with me is there like any tests that we can run so that we can figure out what's going on? And so he's like, oh, we're going to try the, uh, the birth control to regulate it. And then he, he has a very strong accent. He is an older Hispanic man. And um, he was, I don't know if he was just having a day, but he could really care less as to anything that I had to say and just kind of like sent, sent the prescription, sent the script and sent me about my way. So from that day, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to find a new OBGYN. And I ended up going to where my sister um, goes to. And I um, have a doctor now, Dr. Sevald, who was is a woman. She's not African-American. She's Caucasian, but she is 
a complete sweetheart when I went to her and I expressed to her what was going on and I told her about the miscarriage. Um, she was very sympathetic, very empathetic. And, you know, I mentioned to her, you know, I want to know what's going on. Is there any tests we can run? And she did a bunch of tests and it turns out that I have PCOS. And she was, she diagnosed me with PCOS and said that, you know, it's going to be a process to get pregnant with PCOS. It's going to be very difficult and you will have miscarriages. And she basically told me, you know, if and when you're ready, to have a child, you know, let me know because at that point from having the miscarriage, I kind of went from being excited to be a mother to just being like, okay, I don't want to experience this again. So let me just get back on the birth control. So that way we can kind of regulate that we don't have a child right now. Cause I don't know if I was ready to embark down that emotional journey again. So um, I went back on the birth control and did a bunch of research on PCOS. PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So what it is is that in my ovaries, um, the cells should be scattered, but they're in a complete circle. So, um, and, and it's inflamed, the ovaries the ovaries are inflamed. So it causes, um, it, so with that, the, the sperm can't really attach, that you don't really release eggs. So you're, you have like irregular periods and stuff like that. So it's a whole, it's a whole process. But nevertheless, it's something that we're uh, working on and that's one of the main reasons too why I ended up doing um, the gastric sleeve recently because PCOS um, can be reversed. There's no cure for it, um, but it can be reversed. It can subside. Can't hear. Can you hear me now? Yeah. So. There's no cure for PCOS, but a lot of times um, with PCOS, if you're overweight, which I am overweight, um, that will cause it to be a bit more severe. So this is why I chose to do the surgery so that way I can lose the weight and possibly have it be reversed. But it, having PCO, PCOS affects everything from your mood to um, your sex drive to um, just about everything under the sun gets affected from having PCOS. So it's just like the worst possible thing. But with my doctor now, I went back to her and I mentioned to her, you know, that we're, we want to start trying to have kids. And, you know, she kind of walked me down um, the path of what we need to do. So we need to track the periods and make sure that they're regular and once they're regular if they are regular then that's a good sign but if not which currently my periods have not been regular then she wants to kind of run a bunch of different tests to see um if i have like blockage in my fallopian tubes and stuff like that so basically the process for me is going to be a long process but it's something that we're working on currently.
Um, do you feel like, well, you said the doctor that you have now, that even though that she is um, Caucasian, she explains everything to you and you feel comfortable and safe that she will lead you in the right path during this journey? I do, um, because I also, I had mentioned to her as well that I, I want to do more tests. I want to figure it out. And she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to like charge you and bill you for anything right now. Cause I recently went to go see her with everything that's going on. She's like, I don't want to charge you and bill you for anything right now with everything that's going on. She's like, I just want you to regulate your periods at home. And then if we get, if we come and see like, cause I have another appointment in July that it's not regular, then she's like, then I'll start running a couple more tests with you. But she's like, if we can get pregnant naturally, then I want you to get pregnant naturally, which is what I want. Like, I don't want to be on any types of medication because they want, they, she says that you can, you can be on metformin, but metformin is people who have insulin resistance. That's what they take. So she checked my blood sugar levels and everything was fine. So there's no purpose for me to be on metformin, but usually that affects you when you have PCOS. But um, so she's like, I don't want to give it to you, especially if you don't need it and it's not affecting you. So I like the, I like the fact that she's so willing to have me try to get pregnant without taking any medication because I don't want to take any medication if it's not necessary. Um, so I, I do trust her and I do feel like she has my best interest in mind. I don't trust her. <laughs> so what's your perspective, Herman? Well, um, me, I believe that, you know, the reason why we all, you know, in this earth is because, you know, it's got, it's got work, you know? So if you, I mean, I know, you know, there's some sickness out here, you know, some disease, but that doesn't mean you cannot give birth, you know, because whatever, you know, Jehovah decided, whatever he wants is going to happen, you know what I'm saying? So uh, that's what I believe. I don't, I don't, I mean, they, I know they have a degree on something, you know, so they are doctors, they, they, they study, you know, things like that, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be hard for us to to have a baby you know it can happen right now tomorrow hey who knows that's what i believe in i respect that thank you Jasonia, for sharing i hope you guys enjoyed this session um it was really cool to record and to do um please subscribe to this podcast so when a new episode is out you'll be notified And if you'd like to have a topic or question anonymously answered and featured on a future episode, please follow me on Instagram at Shana Mariah. That is spelled S-H-A-I-N-A-M-O-R-I-A-H-H. Click the link in my bio and you're going to see a menu box that says drop a topic or question. Fill that form out. I'll be notified. I won't know that it's you, just your secret name. So please... Do all of that and your topic will be featured on a new episode. I hope you guys have a beautiful and wonderful day. Stay above it and stay blessed. Until next time. Bye, y'all.